Coming up on this episode of Here's an Idea. The idea of, of kind of drilling into the seabed, what is that process like? <laughs> uh, it's of course not easy. Um, so I don't think that it's, I say by accident, that the idea comes from uh, the Dutch. Because we have a lot of experience with building crazy dams in our country, uh, building tunnels and whatever. So we are at least used to digging into the seabed and have a lot of experience. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Here's an Idea. I'm Billy Hurley, Digital Editorial Manager at SAE Media Group. This year, we're going to try something different with the podcast series. We're going to talk to more inventors, and that means more episodes, at least two each month. Throughout 2022, I, along with my colleague Chitra Sethi, Director of Editorial at SAE Media Group, will lead conversations with innovators, highlighting their early prototypes, early challenges, and the design lessons learned along the way. So to kick off our season, I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Fritz Bleek, CEO of the Netherlands-based company called Ocean Grazer. I met Dr. Bleek at this year's CES conference in Las Vegas, a smaller event than usual given COVID-19 concerns, but an event that still brought together over 2,200 exhibitors. At CES, Dr. Bleek showed me a technology from Ocean Grazer called the Ocean Battery, a product that won Best of Innovation honors at the Las Vegas Showcase. Dr. Bleek, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me here. Uh... So we're all familiar, of course, with a traditional battery. Your battery, the ocean battery, is an adaptation of hydro dam technology, where water is stored and pressurized and then ultimately sent through hydro turbines to generate electricity. So can you tell us, what is an ocean battery? What it effectively is, is a very large energy storage system, uh, especially designed for offshore wind farms. So at the bottom of the sea, you already have water under high pressure, similar as you have at the bottom of a uh, hydro dam. And so you could exploit that, and we do that by, uh, say, placing a very large, effectively plastic bag on the seabed, filled with water, and that water is then pressurized by the seawater on top of it. And what we do is that we drill a hole in the seabed and have, I say, yeah, a kind of sewer-like tubes placed underneath the seabed at roughly 100 meters from the sea level, where the water of those plastic bags can be uh, flowed through to a, a vertical tube, then also running to a turbine as similar as the, the hydro dam does. And uh, in that way, you can generate power. And if you want to charge up again, we switch on the pumps. They dump the water out of those super type of pipes up to the uh, seafloor level and back into those plastic bags. And in these plastic bags, they are uh, again exposed to the uh, hydrostatic pressure of uh, the seawater on top of it so you have power stored again so just to make sure i understand it correctly you install the battery into the seabed that's this battery is tied to wind farms that excess wind power is routed to the battery uh, the battery then pumps the water from its kind of underground reservoirs into black into a bladder at the seabed and then when there's a demand for power that pressured water is then routed through the hydro turbines to generate electricity? Exactly. Yeah, you got it perfectly right, Billy. But where are the turbines located? Yeah, so that they are in this effectively placed in this vertical tube that's connecting, I say, those plastic bags that are laying on the seabed to the sewer type of pipes that are built underneath the seabed. The idea of, of kind of drilling into the seabed, what is that process like? 
Yeah, so, so yeah, <laughs> um, it's of course not easy. Um, so I don't think that it's, I say by accident, that the idea comes from uh, the Dutch. Because we have a lot of experience building crazy dams in our country, uh, building tunnels and whatever. So we are at least used to digging into the seabed and have a lot of experience. How big is the system uh, across the seabed? One section is roughly about 10 megawatt hours. Well, if you want to reach a, a, a one gigawatt hour, you have to connect 100 of those pieces. And one piece is roughly 100 meters long. That's still quite a huge system. But on the other hand, if you look at the wind farm, turbines are placed roughly about 1.2 kilometer away from each other. So it would still very well fit into a small section of an offshore wind farm. So it's maybe from, I say, an energy perspective, a very huge device, but for, I say, construction companies, this is just, I say, a very normal thing to build. And just so I'm clear, how does the energy generated from the battery make it to land to be used? So effectively, you either connect it to a, a, a substation that is most of the time placed in front of the uh, offshore wind farm on a large platform. Yeah, you could directly connect it and then buffer your energy between well the wind farm and the connection to, to, to shore. Uh, another construction could also be that you directly tap into one or more turbines and connect it to the transformers inside the wind turbines. So that could save some money if you do it like that. And make it maybe a bit easier for most people to integrate in their existing wind farm design. What were some of the biggest challenges that you and your team came across as you were building this? The biggest challenge at the end of the day is to think differently and to come up with something very simple. So, but it's not, I say, a straightforward thought process that you have. So you really have to yeah, transform the idea that you have multiple times in your head. And it's most of the time not your only head, but I say the, the heads of a complete design team. And then you need to find yeah, where the sweet spot is at the end of the day between, well, investing in more capacity or making it simpler. You mentioned your team. How many people are working on this? Within our startup, we have now about 11 people working on that. But there has been, of course, a great uh, support with the local university. And we had about, uh, well, I think 80 uh, students working on the master thesis for us. And we're about five PhDs uh, supporting us over time. The uh, power of the team itself is also that it's not too big. Given your journey from early prototypes to a finished ocean battery, what advice would you give to our audience of design engineers who are looking to bring their own ideas to life. Yeah, so, so the most difficult thing is really to understand, I say, the requirements of your client. I have a long history in the, the power industry. So you at least need somebody who is really very knowledgeable about the market that you're, you're going to deliver your product. And then secondly, it doesn't matter how smart your solution is, but if it's not economically viable, then you're just not going to make it. So spending a lot of time in not only doing the engineering, but also doing a cost optimization of your engineering and have that as an intertwined process rather than something which is more a type of waterfall uh, analysis where you say, hey, first do the, the engineering, then do a cost uh, analysis, then maybe re-engineer your design once more. Mm -hmm. How did you demonstrate the uh, economic viability of the ocean battery? Or how do you do that? So we don't need any new inventions. And well, that's of course always a bit of a difficult task, especially if you start off from a university here where they always want to use the latest and the greatest, which is nice, but at a certain day, you just need to 
make the energy transition happen today and not within 30 years. So that's why we decided we need to build something which you can scale up today. There's no rocket science needed anymore and it should be feasible just to build it today. When do you expect to have this ocean battery commercialized and ready for the market? We effectively are bringing it to the market today. So we're starting off with a project in a sand excavation lake that we are developing at the moment. We don't want to spend, I say, too much money on lessons learned how to construct the whole thing. That's at least one reason to, to start with an uh, inshore lake. And secondly, it also provides, I say, a, a demonstration facility where you can take clients so they can see and watch what you're doing. Because I don't think that it's the best sales pitch if you would go out with a vessel offshore and then say, well, somewhere here on the bottom of the sea, there is our device. But yeah, sorry, you cannot see it. And, and once you start off, then it turns out that it's effectively a market in itself. Um, so only in the Netherlands, which is yeah, a very small country with uh, 17 million people in there, you have about a thousand sand excavation lakes. At least we see that a lot of those lakes are now being used for uh, floating solar. Building there, I say, a floating solar farm seems pretty logic at the moment. Uh, and now, at least in the, the, the area where, where I live. And yeah, what would be better if you could combine solar with storage so that you can always uh, use also the solar peak at noon. And then secondly, have you, of course, also want to go offshore. Uh, so we are looking currently at installing a system in the Dutch coast. It has a yeah, tender process for uh, offshore wind developers to uh, get the concession for, for building the, the wind farm. So we are a bit, bit depending on that. If that does not work out, then I'm quite sure that this one of the offshore wind developers, we will then use as say, an existing wind farm to test the system. And yeah, the planning process of such projects is pretty long. So it takes about four to five years to develop the entire project. So that means that we will most likely deliver the first system somewhere in 25 or 26. Well, Dr. Bleak, thanks for being with us on Here's an Idea. Thank you. To our listeners, if you'd like to see the technology in action, watch videos, or look at images of the ocean battery, go to our episode page at techbriefs.com podcast. There you can also listen to previous episodes of Here's an Idea. If you like this episode, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you have a question for Dr. Bleak or any comments about the episode, please email me at feedback at saemediagroup.com. Thanks for listening.